Ozzy is the world. Hi everybody, Chris Gathered here. Welcome to another episode of New Jersey is the World, your weekly celebration of all things New Jersey. You can hear my voice is kind of torn to shreds. That's because I've been out on the roads celebrating New Jersey on my tour where I do one show in every county. And already this week I've done... Montclair, the great Silver Stream Studios. I did Van Gogh's Ear Cafe in Union. I did Pet Shop in Jersey City. Two shows, great shows, including Gagut's member himself, Nick Fierro, of Talking Total fame on The Late Show. Did Hamilton, the blueberry capital of the world, last night. Tonight, I head to Lanoka Harbor, Ocean County. Thanks to everybody who's been coming out to these shows. There are still some tickets left for The Late Show in Trenton. And we're going to announce three or four new shows coming up soon. I know Somerset is on the docket. I think we also still have some shows, tickets left for Sparta, if you want them. Anyway, chrisgeth.com. It's not about me. It's about the great state of New Jersey. Guess who's back? The great Don Finelli, the Jersey dude who reviews Jersey food. Uh, Don has... You've heard him on the Gagoots if you're on the Patreon over at patreon.com slash New Jersey is the world. Garden State Gagoots, where of course we listen to your voicemails and react, and it's always the funniest part of the month. Um, Don had a son, so congrats to Don. But Don has been slammed, and luckily found some time to get back in the saddle. And I was able to fill Don in on a very important development in my life, which is that I finally, after many years of hearing about how amazing it is, went to the Belmont Tavern. And it was as good as I heard. And I'm, I talked to Don about that, but then we also have a conversation. Because one thing I found myself thinking about post-Belmont Tavern was Italian food has this omnipresence throughout the great state of New Jersey. And I started thinking, sometimes that means Lunella in Cedar Grove, where there's valet parking and waiters in black jackets. Sometimes that means Jimmy Buff's hot dogs or a slice on the side of a highway at a late night slice joint. And all of that's Italian food. And Don and I got into this really fascinating conversation about areas that different people immigrated from, how things like assimilation affect the evolution of food, how perhaps when an immigrant group goes from majority renting to majority home ownership, they can take more chances on business ideas. These are all things that we didn't research. We're just shooting from the hip, but it was a really fascinating conversation. I do want to let you know, Don did reach out to tell me that there was one thing he forgot. Cause I, I kind of threw this all at him in the moment, but you will hear that we talk a lot about red sauce joints. And he did want to say that there is another tier of Italian food that we didn't get into, which is there is another tier of the red sauce joint. He wants to identify um, for example, he grew up going to a place in Bergen County called Sanducci's, which he says there are slightly elevated red sauce joints that have the great pasta, have the great pizza you're used to, but also serve really good fish. And that that is a delineation. The red sauce joint with fish is another step on the ladder. Um, he says the old school red sauce joints, probably not too much fish there, if any, but the elevated places have some solid options. And you'll hear already people are probably going what is this and you're just gonna hear we talk about italian food in jersey through the lens of social status and how food can tell the story of that social status and how 
a type of food evolves. And then Don also does a really beautiful job of pointing out how there's some other types of food related to some other waves of immigration in New Jersey that are on the sort of journey that he points out in this. I think it's a really fascinating conversation. I think you're going to love it. Most of all, he blew my mind when he said Jimmy Buffs is basically a hot dog with jambot on top of it. That blew my mind. Enjoy it, everybody. Don Finelli is back, everybody. You've heard him on the, gar- the Gagoots. If you're a patron, you've still been doing the Gagoots. But Don, we haven't done a food episode in a while because you're, you're a busy man. Yeah. You've got a busy household right now. Well, I'm also in California. We're trying to review fucking New Jersey foods. It's a little difficult, <laughs> right? The whole concept crumbles <laughs> that, that the main person is living in fucking Los Angeles. But well, I've, I've, we've tried to, you know, you sent me stuff. Well, I've, and then I've also tried to f- figure out some of the New Jersey transplants out here. Yeah, absolutely. And also the past couple episodes, including this one, I'm going to new places and they're bringing up questions for me. And then I'm bouncing those questions off of you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which I think is another take on it because you are my friend who loves food the most and knows the most about food Mm -hmm. and specifically Italian food. Yes. Which I want to talk about a lot today. And which I think. Well, you were my, you were my teacher and now I get to teach you some stuff. Yes. uh, Always, always uh, fun. I taught you improv comedy. That's right. And you teach me. And also, you're so kind. I'll never forget when you came to my house and we cooked SO, uh-huh. uh, you know, SO artisanal pasta from Morristown, a place that we might actually, it might be part of our discussion today. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember doing, like, cooking it all as per the instructions he sent along, kind of. Mm-hmm. And then you very gently. Being like, okay, here's four things to not do next time <laughs> that are just simple uh-huh. things. I walked into your kitchen and saw your pans and knew you were doing stuff wrong. Yeah, yeah. All my pans uh, had burn marks on them. I was like, oh yeah, you're just you, your your flames are too high. Like you could just walk into someone's kitchen, and go, oh, you're just your flames are too high. You gotta you gotta chill the fuck out <laughs> when you're cooking. You know, like these pl- <laughs> you want <laughs> these things are. It's just you, these are just little things though that you pick up on. You have to like really mess things up a little bit, and uh, you start to develop some instincts in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. you need some guidance sometimes. Like Absolutely. no one's born knowing knowing how to do this stuff. One hundred percent. Now, Don, the reason we're talking about Italian food today, which I know is something that you could talk about for hours. I mean, but we don't yes. we don't have hours, but you could I- always talk about it for hours. Don, I finally went to the Belmont Tavern, yeah. Belleville, New Jersey. Yep. Finally went. Years of knowing about it as an Essex County guy. Years. Of- oh, you had never been, dude. I'd never been. Mm. I'd heard the legends of Stretch's Chicken Savoy mm-hmm. and the Shrimp Beeps, mm-hmm. and I went. And we have been as Gagoots been trying to go to this place. It's just yes. been with. It was like a. It was like during. It was a COVID and all this. It was a COVID. We there was a time you were in town, yeah. and we all were set to meet at the Belmont. Yep. And then a wave of COVID came through, and we were like, "Fuck it, we can't do it." Yeah, with the kids and all that stuff. Yep. It was a little. Yeah. But I finally went. We should have just done it. Fuck the kids. I know, dude. We should have done it, man. It would have been fine. We would have been totally fine. Here's my quick review is the legends of the Belmont Tavern um, are known far and wide throughout the Essex County area and beyond. They are justified. That place is so good. It's so good, Don. It's um, um it's singular. There's not a lot of places like it, right? It, 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 I have to say too, as someone who's kind of an obsessive Essex County guy who grew up in a neighborhood where my parents were raised in the same neighborhood, 
So I always, I always kind of felt like, and a lot of the families in my neighborhood, that was the case. They all went to Our Lady of the Valley in Orange uh-huh. or East Orange Catholic in East Orange or where my dad went, in, uh-huh. you know, Essex Catholic in Newark, Immaculate Conception in Montclair. Like it was the, all these Catholics, uh-huh. three, four generations together. So I always felt like I was raised with a little bit of like 50s and 60s values because our parents just all stayed in the same place and all knew each other. Of course. Yep. So it had this stunted development yep. and the Belmont Tavern pushed that exact button for me of like, this is the Essex County that I grew up with in the eighties and early nineties when I was starting to become smart and worldly enough to realize, oh, the way I grew up was like, you know, just the fact that it was all of us, like you, you walk down the block and you meet up in the church parking lot and every kid in the neighbors there and every kid's wearing jeans and a white t-shirt and every yep. kid uh-huh. gets their haircut at Quigley's the same. <laughs> so they all have the same exact haircut. Cause we go to the same barber right in the neighborhood. Like there was, there was a charm to how I grew up with that. Now, uh-huh. what did it also have a lot of the weird fucked up layers of like racist Irish Catholicism? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. I went to public school, which a lot of the kids around me went to Catholic schools. Did they say things about the fact that I went to school with Jewish kids? Yeah, uh-huh. it wasn't uh-huh. great. So I don't want to romanticize uh-huh. the concept of old school too much. Yeah. But I will say the Belmont Tavern was, at, we opened the door and Hallie goes, oh my God, this is the type of place you love. Uh-huh. Like dark lights, yep. wood, yep. booths. Everyone on top of each other. Everyone's brassy. Mm-hmm. everyone's a little loud yep. and I can just sit in the corner and eat. And Don, I will say I'm a vegetarian. I did not break it. So I have not had, I did not have, wow. I did not have, <laughs> you didn't have the good dude. I didn't have stretches chicken Savoy. I didn't have the shrimp beeps that I was excited about, but I could tell you a couple things. The Gava deal with pot cheese, pot cheese, baby. It was fantastic. Fantastic. I always just called that regatta, uh, ricot, you know? Me too. And, uh, yeah. But when Mike D started saying pachis, I thought he was saying the word pachis, like P-A-C-H-I-S. <laughs> I was like, what is pachis? I always thought, you know, pachis was more of a Philly thing, but... Uh- I, if my, you know, I'm, I'm always deferring to Mike D cause he was just, I feel like he's even steeped in this even more than I was. So I, we always just called it regatta. I mean, yeah. that was it growing. I never heard pachis, but now making ricotta all the time. I, I don't make it all the time, but I make it more than you would think because yeah. it's very easy to make. It just takes a little bit of time. Um, I uh, I get it. Like, yeah, it's it's very you make, make it, it in the pot. pot. Yeah, makes sense. The pachis with the the gavadil and pachis was absolutely no joke. Yeah. The eggplant parmesan was, I mean, the only eggplant parmesan I've ever had better was cooked by my aunt Rose. I got an aunt who's an Irish broad who dated an Italian guy and his mom taught her to cook sick Italian food. And to be fair, I'm tasting the love of my aunt. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like it, it was, it was f- ridiculously good. Yeah. Eggplant parm. And then Don, you know what I'd never had before, which was a sin as a North Jersey guy. And I had for the first time. I finally had long hots. Oh, Jesus Christ, man. I'd never had a long hot in my life, Don. Why? <laughs> Just the long hot pepper. Were you afraid? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I grew up and I didn't like spicy food. Oh, there you go. And then I never really liked peppers. Okay. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> and, and that, you know, it's one of those things where you're- Why have you never had this? Well, I didn't like spicy peppers. <laughs> it was when, and you know, it's one of those things where when you're a kid, you decide you don't like certain things. And as yeah. an adult, you go, oh, wait, and never. But Don, finally had long hots. And, Delicious. I mean, you could- you could eat a hundred of those in a row. Yeah, it's like pickles. You could just chow down on those. It was yeah, the best. Pickles, baby. Yeah. And then Mike D told me, he goes, so they, um, 
at the Belmont, he's like, they, they always have off menu items. The menu's real small, but he's like, I've been there enough. As he goes, a vegetarian, ask for the, if they got the vegetarian jambat, mm. which I'd never had jambat. A little jambot. Don, it was just yeah. a bunch of really well-seasoned vegetables, <laughs> yeah. like real salty potatoes, yeah. a bunch of vegetables, just kind of all. This is like a Thursday meal in a lot of Italians' households because it's like, what didn't you cook from Sunday to Wednesday? And then you just make a jumbo. You just kind of throw everything into a pot. Season some, the shit out of it. <laughs> yeah, you just season the shit out. It's like oil, garlic, and everything in the pot. The jumbo at Belmont Tavern stole the goddamn show. So what was in it? So what, 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 what did they have that, that week? What was in their jumbo? Potatoes was the star of the show. Yeah. Just, just these well-seasoned, salty mm-hmm. potatoes. And mm-hmm. then, yeah, peppers, onions, uh, yeah, and just a few other very basic vegetables, but it was just clearly, and Don, something that I you've taught me, where I'm like, I hate to bring it up because you've been saying it since the first episode we ever did, but I'm like, this is just, it's the chi. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, these are people who know what they're doing. This yeah. is a very basic dish, yeah. but this was clearly cooked in pans that have cooked this mm-hmm. 500 times. Yeah. Seasoned by people yeah. who have done this. There's a lineage. You could do it in their sleep. It's like grandparents, great grandparents. There's a lineage that the pans <laughs> pass down every time that they cook. Yeah. That it's like, it, there's just something special about it. It's the reason why you go back to all these places is because of their cookware. If I if I looked at that plate, if I looked at the jambo, which can't, you know, when I scooped it out of my plate, I'd sit here and go, I could do this. Mm-hmm. I could chop up these vegetables. Of course. But I could never do that. You can add, you know what yeah, I mean? yeah. You can't season the way it is. It wouldn't be that. It wouldn't be that. Yeah, you're not going to cook it, I on could their do it on their flat top or anything like that. Couldn't do that. Yeah, yeah. Don, it was incredible. It was an incredible meal. Everyone should go. Don't be like me and waste time. Yeah. Um, we got there right when they opened at five. They sat us right in the front table, right in the window, which they didn't open. They made a joke. You want us to open it? At Don, as I get out of the car, okay, here's what I really want to talk to you about today because I realized something at the Belmont. Which is that, and this is this is a juvenile thought. This is a pedestrian thought. But Italian food, maybe more than any other type of food I can think of, mm-hmm. you say Italian food, and in general, you're thinking there's going to be carbs, sauce, and cheese. Yep. And that's true. But maybe more than any other genre of food, and Jersey with the level of Italian food all over the place, Italian food, just in Jersey, could mean... The slice place on Route Three that stays open really late, right be- in Clifton, right before it hits Forty Six, and it's just grab a grab a cheap, greasy pizza town, heartburn slice of pizza. No, it's just called Route Three Pizza. It's oh, this. Nice. It's just open all night. It's not great, but it's great. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like yep. if if you're does the job. If you're heading home mm-hmm. and the diners aren't twenty four hours now, everybody just, everybody understands the situation. You're gonna wake up with heartburn if you eat this. Yeah. You're probably not even eating it there. You're probably eating it in the car yeah. on the last 20 minutes of your drive. It's the most acidic tomatoes that'll ever be on a pizza. But that's mm-hmm. straight up street food. That's straight up low-level pizza is Italian food, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Now, I know it doesn't have roots in Italy, but Jimmy Buffs, which we've talked about obsessively on this show, the Italian hot dog, that was Italian-Americans mm-hmm. throwing a bunch of shit in a pot at a card game. That was their jumbo. It yep. was, it's it's put jumbo on a sandwich, basically, right, is what yep. a, it, an Italian hot dog is, I've now learned. Yep. Throw a hot dog with a bunch of shit on top of it. And I said, <laughs> so, and that's like street level workers food, right? Yeah. 
Then, or something you'd see at like a fair or something like that too. Exactly right. A yeah. sausage and pepper stand, right? Like yep. mm-hmm. next to the Zeppelins, and yep. at a church feast. Church like that's feed, all yep. Italian food too. That all counts. Mm-hmm. Some saints holiday. But Don, then Italian food can also mean like the place Lunella's in Cedar Grove that has valet parking and yeah, right, right. black jacket waiters and you know some of the places. I've never been to like 15 Fox Place in Jersey City where it's mm-hmm. it's like an old family home and the family cooks for you and you yeah. show up and there's not even a menu. Right, right. It's just like but, someone's grandma cooking for you. And and that's a very very special experience where you're like in someone's actual home. Right. And then you're in places like the Belmont. Yeah. Which are this middle ground, right? Where it's a tavern. And it is a tavern and it's in Belleville. I mean, you yeah. can't get more Italian than a tavern in Belleville, right? Yeah. But Don, where I'm like, part of the experience, I, and I would say this was part of the experience is we parked on the side street around the corner. I get out of the car, this white guy, big broad shouldered white guy comes like limping towards me fast. He's got scars all over his head. <laughs> He's like, hey man, I got a fight. I got in a fight with my girl and she won't let me sleep in my uh, room. Like, I got to get a hotel room and I'm only $6 away. And, and I just go, I'm with my wife and kid. And he goes, okay. And we had like uh-huh. the, the like Essex County code there. I mean, Jersey code, like yeah. where like, hey buddy, like I might give, I might, I might engage in your scam. Mm-hmm. I might even give you a few bucks. Right. My wife and kid are about to get out of the car. And he had the respect, like that street <laughs> of like, okay, there's a kid about to get out of the car. Because look, I mean, you know, maybe the guy needed a hotel room for the night and his girl kicked him out. But maybe he needed to go cop some drugs is yeah. what yeah. I was getting the impression was probably more the case. Yeah. So for me to be like, dude, my kid's about to get out of the car. And him to be like, all right, all right, all right. I'm like, that's fucking... That's part of this neighborhood. That's part yeah. of this. Experience. And then we go in and Don, <laughs> it's like, um, if I remember right, it was like the red and white checker, not cloth tablecloths. Mm-hmm. Like they're going to just going to Windex it down afterwards, you know? Yeah. There's, there's, there's some shine on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not going to absorb any liquid. A little polyurethane. And then there's like some guys at the bar who are clearly in there all the time. And I overhear them. No talk joke talking about how they, we don't keep our boats at the Brielle Yacht Club anymore. It got too expensive. We're moving down to Lavalette these days. I unironically overheard two people talking about fake news. Like I'm like, oh, there's like people using the phrase fake news about CNN at the bar right over my shoulder. And it's and it's this like real it's not street food. It's not a street fair, right? Slice joint, Jimmy Buffs level. Right. It's not valet parking. Mm-hmm. It's this middle ground where you're sitting at a table. Yeah. And the food's really good, but you're going to hear a townie shouting about the Brielle Yacht Club and fake news. <laughs> and it makes me realize that there are many different classes just of Italian food. Yeah. And I wanted to pick your brain about that. Because mm-hmm. when I pitched this idea to you, I said, I wouldn't be surprised to learn that in the Italian American community, there's some knowledge about this that I might not have as far as how are these things viewed on the scale of food within the Italian American community? Yeah. Are some of these restaurants that are fancier coming from different regions of Italy? Is that part of how this division starts to happen? Mm-hmm. And you said you did have some thoughts on that when I gave you the soft pitch. Yeah. When you, when you kind of brought that up, I just started rambling. Like, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Like, save it for this. When you said that, I was like, well, yeah, you know, like I, I've said it before too, like 80% of, you know, immigrants from Italy 
from like 1901 to like the the fifties, a good like a high high percentage of them are from Southern Italy, right? So Southern Italy was super poor. You know, my family's from Apulia. You know, southeast. Every, it was basically like America, where it was like the the North was like double taxing the South, and the South had all the the it was like the breadbasket of of Italy, and had all the goodies down there, the olive oil, the wheat, and all this stuff was kind of coming from down there. But and the North was rich; it it had industry. You had Rome, you had Milan, and then you know stuff in the Alps and all that stuff. So the North Northern Italy was always seen as like much more, you know affluent and wealthy it had just very similar american vibes um of of kind of the division of labor and and how things were were rocking and rolling there and people were just like fed up with it double tax they were looking for new opportunities it was really crazy not to go on a quick tangent going back to italy going back to these years you go why would anybody leave here you know it's like the the most beautiful beautiful in puglia was like the most beautiful it's like the coast and all the the best food the best the best everything was there in my lifestyle just everything it was just like why the yeah i've been i was like why grandparents would you ever leave here i was like oh well people were very bad to you and there was wars so you can totally understand why someone yeah yeah uh would leave there but yeah, I think there a lot. So a lot of people were coming in were just like straight up poor ass working people, and I always saw it as parallel to like the Chinese community coming in. You had people that were trying to bridge a gap. They were trying to make a living in a new place. So if they knew how to cook, they're trying to bridge a gap with the palate of the people that are already there with like some of the shit that they were doing. They weren't coming and being like, "I'm going to cook you tripe." Immediately, right? They're not cooking like stomach for people, even though it's like a delicious meal that they would have that their mothers would you know give them growing up and like organ meats and all that stuff there's this kind of in america any immigrant population coming in is trying to bridge this gap going like hey this is what we used to eat and it might have some weird names to it like chop suey was a made-up kind of thing right and we call this spaghetti and meatballs. And it's like, these are things that were like different courses back in Italy, like pasta and meatballs necessarily together. So I think there was all these like uh, immigrants coming in, trying to bridge this gap with like stuff that they grew up on. But also like, how do we make a living here? Like, how do I make a sustainable and what are the local ingredients here that we can use that are palatable for people that have, are established here. So um, I think in any culture, that division of like street food, which is much more prevalent in other countries, right? Street food in other cities, you're going into like a lot. It's not, not necessarily in like rural places, but like street food is like the cornerstone or backbone, I would say of, of like people working in metropolitan areas. Like that's how you get your lunch. A lot of these people were building the city. You know what I mean? Like the city was actually being built by immigrants um, or by lower class or lower income people. I don't like to say lower class. It's like lower income. These people getting taken advantage of by other people. But like they were put in their manual labor. So they they needed really cheap, quick meals. So each city in other countries had their street food. So there is that. Of course, it would happen in America. 
while immigrants were mostly building this country, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Pretty Mm -hmm. much exclusively, a lot of Italian immigrants built a lot of these, especially New York City, Philly, all these cities, a lot of Italian immigrants coming and building, taking a lot of skills, um, you know, centuries, millennia of skills and bringing them over here. So the street food thing always made sense and them going like, what's our version of this? I think that's where like pizzas and that kind of stuff really came from. I don't know the etymology of, of like the, and, and the history of where, how things were named and how things were made and all that stuff. Um, we could probably do another deep dive on that, but the street food was always there. And I think that the, when I think of the t- taverns, I think it was like the Italians answer to a lot of the established Irish uh, folks, right? You had your bars that was like the central place where everything would fucking happen in the culture there. Right. <laughs> you know, like meetings, funerals, uh, everything. Political decisions. Political decisions are happening there. I think Italians are coming over and, they're going, and had their cafes in Italy where everything. And they're looking at these Irish and they're going. The Irish. And they're yeah. going, their food fucking sucks. sucks. There's yeah. an opening here. There's an opening. We see the inn. But that was always. And I say that as an Irish American. Yeah, but the. But, the food fucking sucks. It does, but it's like the regional stuff that, first of all, like I've, you know, if you have like very good Irish food, it's delicious, right? Like, so, of course, of course. But I think it was the same thing. It's like, I think Italians cared so much more about food culture than out, than, than like bars. Drinking culture. Yeah, the drinking yeah. culture was so vital to, and, you know, we can make fun of it now and stuff like that, but like just community wise of how shit was done. That's where it was done. It was the central location. So Italians were like, and I'm thinking, I'm just specifically thinking about my family's immigration into here, moving into Hoboken. You know, if you go to Hoboken, what I was, when I'm thinking of like taverns and stuff like that, and you think of the Belmont, if you go to Hoboken, there's so many places kind of like that, which is like mm-hmm. the bars. Right? I think it was like the mm-hmm. most bars per square capita in like New Jersey. It was Hoboken. Um, but like those bars with like, the fr- like one foot of frosted window and then the rest is like you're not going to know what's going on inside of this place i felt was so much more prevalent during like sinatra days and all that era that the those belmont taverns i think were just more prevalent to- so i think italians in the you know 30s 40s 50s 60s they're going well we need our bar Right. We need our place. And that's when you see places like the Star Tavern open up like places where I when I was younger, they were still kind of that's where you went to eat is taverns. Right. Yeah. It was like this Italian tavern idea with the elevated pizza, not elevated necessarily, you know, grandiose, but elevated, actually physically elevated. No, but not not a slice joint, not the place where you go after school or not where the place where your parents order a pie delivery Friday night. Right. It's a night out. It is. Yeah. It's a night out, so but it's I not going to break like the bank, but it's thing. a little better. Yeah. So I always saw like taverns and red sauce joints as very sister and brother in the Italian culture. I think the taverns were a little bit more divier and a little bit more, right? Like alcohol focused. Like we're having, we're having like Miller High Life and, and Coors Light on tap kind of thing. Well, a and, red sauce joint feels like when the dinner hour's over, people clear out. Yes, right. The tavern feels like if we're, just gonna get, if we're getting old school about it, and, yeah. and this is not how it is today, but a tavern feels more like when the dinner's hour's over, the families stop coming. Yeah. 
and men get fucked up and watch sports yes. and fight each other. Tavern's a bar. Tavern's yeah. a bar. Italians were just like, I'm not going to put bullshit food out. It might be more greasy, uh, which goes hand in hand with alcohol. But like, we're going to start slinging some pies. This isn't a slice joint. We're just going to put like palms and you know all sorts of that stuff on the menu. But it's a bar, right? Whereas a red sauce joint is your restaurant, and which has it's seeming like a limited menu, but it, they can kind of just, it goes on forever in a way. Do anything. Now, Not only it, that, it was the amount of food there too, right? Which is what I was saying. Like, I was just going to segue and ask you this. I was just going to yeah. segue and ask you this. So as a kid who grew up Irish Catholic in Jersey, when we go out for Italian food, my instinct, I go, oh, fuck yeah, I'm going to eat so much. Like that was part of the fun. Uh And I'm thinking of red sauce joints here. I'm thinking of a place like Libretti's in Orange, which is a pretty legendary Italian place in Essex County, which I think is probably a step above a red sauce joint. I haven't Uh been in many years, but it's, it's up there. And to me, I think of that type of food and I go, part of the joy of this is you're going to, there's going to be a big pile of bread. Yep. And then you're going to get a chicken bar parm that's wider than your fucking skull. Yep. And it's going to come on top of a pile of some of the best yep. fucking linguine that they yep. angel hair. crank out. Yep. And, and, and where like, if you, or eat, you get a side of it, right? You get a yeah. side of pasta. That's just right. like a bowl of pasta. Yes. And where, and, and then there's probably, you're probably getting some fried cheese appetizer on top of it mm-hmm. too. And maybe even a salad thrown in where if you eat all of it, you're a psycho, but also it's a night out. And sometimes you eat all of it and nobody's going to judge you. But then one of the things that opened my eyes was speaking of Esso, when when we talked about Esso, you told me that there's a whole philosophy of high-end pasta mm-hmm. where it's just going to come as a little twirl yep. in the middle of the plate mm-hmm. with some sauce. And one thing you pointed out to me is that when you get really good pasta, you don't need to eat so much and you feel entirely full, yeah. which I have found to be true since you pointed it out. Yeah. But to me, I sit most quality, most quality ingredients is like that. Now I sit here and I go, "What's your view on that?" Because I don't totally understand the separation. Because some of the Italian food that I know and love in Jersey is about excessive amounts, but some of the really like the stuff where you start to think that's a chef mm-hmm. or like these people should be in the conversation for a Michelin star, mm-hmm. the amounts shrink considerably is that a class thing is that Eh. how does this divide up in your mind i think it's just an evolution thing i think it's like people came here because just to go back to it yeah you have like your street food which is i was like metropolitan these are actual places like in the street that you're getting your food and it might be a jumbo it might be something i I think italians were a little bit more uh, had a little bit more of like a getting actual physical locations like taverns and red sauce joints or just pizza parlors um, where you, or just slice joints where you can kind of get your, right. It's just a little storefront, little counter and like six, you know, huge fucking ovens behind them. That all is very similar. You can have some of like, when I think of red sauce places, like it's like what we're talking about is like the, you kind of know going in what the menu is going to be. Um, you know what they're going to basically have in all these places. They're often in like mini malls or, you know, they're part of like the part of the community. They're, they're involved with a lot of places. Right. They're not a lot of standalone red sauce joints, right? Red sauce joints want to be surrounded by other businesses and yeah, yeah. you know what you're getting going in. And why we call red sauce joints, like they, that's like the main thing you they have a pretty good sauce. <laughs> 
that they use. It should be homemade, like a good red sauce joints. I think the, you know, non, I, I think, you know, the, the more generations you go out, I think the quality of ingredients starts to drop, right? Like 80s, 90s, early 2000s. I think there was a lot of pre-cooked quick fix stuff that would just like if tr- like Italian Americans would just like put their nose up, but maybe a Medigans, as we would call them still go to. And it's like more of a, dis- not a disgrace, but it's like, well, real Italians are not going to like North Jersey Italians are not going to like go to some of these places. But so we were talking about the taverns that are basically bars that are slinging some pies and fried cheese and all that stuff. But like the red sauce joints are, standalone restaurants that give you like an enormous amount of food, like an insane amount of food for like $15. I remember growing up and I had, we had a couple places that we would go to that you're right. Not only one piece of chicken parm, you would order the chicken parm and there'd be three in a long, like family style plate just for you for like $18 that included a salad, which for some reason was in a bowl the size of my palm, right? It was in like a kind of wooden little thing or just yep. like a, a, a porcelain yep. kind of just a tiny thing with just like Italian dressing on it and maybe like a, a tomato. It was like iceberg lettuce. It wasn't like crazy. As if to tell a child, the salad is not the This point, isn't the kid. point. And again, in my cult, you know, when we would have Sunday dinners, salad comes at the end of the meal. It doesn't come before the meal. So salad was always kind of like a cleanse before you had like Frangelico or some shit like that. Uh, It was, it was just like you stuff yourself with like all the pasta, all the meatballs and all the meats. And then you have a little bit of room for, you know, salad. For some reason, that's how we did it in my house. Salad always came second. When I host people here, salad always comes second. They're very confused. Um, but yeah, little salad. But the side of pasta would be like, what kind of pasta do you want on the side? You're like, I always got angel hair. I was like obsessed with angel hair growing up. I fucking loved it. Um, and, but it would be like a bowl of it. It would be like an enormous amount yeah. of pasta on the side. Sometimes just like, like with just oil, like sometimes not even in sauce. With oil and garlic and Tom, a bowl where you could legitimately. Could feed the whole family. I was going to say, like, as a kid, if I took that bowl of pasta home and ate it at dinner, it yeah. would be four or five nights worth of dinner pasta. It's just the the most Italian mindset, which is like, if you're not leaving here full, we'll, whatever the Italian version of haricotti is, like, we'll do it. We'll stick our head in a fucking oven for 10 hours or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. We have to kill ourselves. Like, you have to leave here stuffed to the gills. With food. And that's how you left those places. You left those places like, I got lunch and possibly lunch the next day. Because it's just like Italian food just ages so well in two days. (laughs) Like cold chicken parm the next day. For some reason, I eat cold pizza the next day. There's just something about like coagulated oil and Sauce. A cold meatball sub oh. wrapped in tinfoil oh. out on the beach the oh. day after. And a lot of these places, you know, you go to like your uh, pizza places and they would always have like some, a lot of them would have some of them were just like straight up like pizza. But a lot of them had like chicken parm sandwich, meatball sandwich, peppers yeah. and eggs was Egg big. Parm. I don't know if you had peppers and eggs. The pepper and egg sandwich. You know, it's one of the most underrated things in, that you can find in Italian places. The potato and egg sandwich. Oh, just unbelievable. 
unbelievable. Well, potato, potato, eggs, and peppers. Like, oh yeah, the, the, the comp. The, that's just like yeah. In general, I think when you order a potato and egg sandwich, the assumption is there's there's probably going to be onions and peppers. There's got to be some sort of onion pepper combo in there. Yeah, but. I mean, there's a long way to answer your question. I just wanted to like point out like those places, you know what you're going into. They have gava deals and broccoli on the menu though. They have the red sauce stuff. They have your chicken parms. It always comes with a side of pasta. Sometimes the pasta came with a side of pasta. It was like <laughs> insane amount of food and it was 18 bucks. Like yeah. it was like cheap. It was manageable. It was manageable. This is like, you're not breaking the bank. I think it's just the evolution of what happens. You have trained chefs that are, are trained with, there's a lot of French techniques now, sometimes in this stuff, or just a lot more time and effort put it in. These red sauce places are not making their own pasta by and large, right? They're using dried pasta from, right? And Barillo, like, you know what you're getting. Um, where a lot of these a little bit more upscale, I would say, places that are maybe hand-making their pasta, you go, come on, it's fucking bread, you know, it's like flour and water and eggs and a little oil and like salt. Like, what? Why is this quote-unquote elevated? Well, it's a lot more time. It doesn't necessarily take a lot of time to make pasta, but it's a lot more man-hours. There's a lot more TLC in it, I would say. And so I think it was just a natural evolution of our culture, like any other culture is like, okay, well, you have the sons and daughters of the homemade stuff or the restaurant tours having their thing. And the, and then the culture evolves and you see what the palate is for the next generation and you see the taverns go by the wayside, right? Which is why Belmont Tower is such a, this like relic that's just sitting there, much more prevalent in the 50s and 60s, 70s. Um, I think it's just the culture, the palate, <clears throat> excuse me, health, all that stuff plays into why things work and why things don't. It's why your pizza joints stay put, um, because it's just the quick, easy thing you can go to, but a tavern and the bar scene that kind of ebbs and flows with cultural, you know, that's, that's in and out. It's why your quick Chinese food place is still there. These are places that are community-based that you can rely on that don't change too much. And it's like a, a beautiful, it's your, it's the cold side of the pillow. Yeah. It's just like, you know what you're getting. Thanks for being there. They're always open. Like they're, they're never on vacation, never closed. You're basically eating the same thing and they're reliable. And I think the sons and daughters of those places go, what else can we do? They're antsy next generation. How can we, change things up. Let me get maybe some more formal training. Well, Don, here's another question that segues right into that, mm -hmm. which is because we're saying like the Belmont, when a place like the Belmont closes, it's a tragedy because new places like that don't open. Right. Right. That's not happening anymore. You That place needs to survive right? because it's the last of its lineage. Mm -hmm. Right. But I have to wonder too, is some of this about the assimilation of Italian people in America and in the Northeast? Yeah. Is some of this yeah. the sons and daughters of that generation mm -hmm. know now 
how to play the game a little bit more and maybe know how to serve this in a way that appeals more to the Protestants, if we're being totally honest, right? Like so. the Belmont Tavern, if I can be honest, it's like part of why I walk in and Hallie goes, this is built for you. Like what she doesn't have a sense of because she doesn't know me since I was a child was I grew up with grandparents that lived two blocks away from me that were off the boat Irish. Right. And them bringing me into the Irish American Club of the Oranges, which was like a private club bar for Irish families, yeah, feels like home to me. Going to a tavern where the food happens to be great. This is the, you mentioned like the Irish drinking and the Italian food. There's no bigger frenemies on earth than Irish Catholics and Italian Catholics yep. in North Jersey when we were growing up. Right. And often married each other. It was Romeo and Juliet oh, situation. The best of friends, the biggest of shit talkers. Mm-hmm. It was, and, and it's a thing. But at a certain point, I sit here, I go, the little portion in the place with the black, black coat waiter, mm-hmm. the white glove service, the high end food. Nobody yelling about the Brielle Yacht Club or fake news at a bar. I sit here, I go, is that a relic of, hey, we're an immigrant community being told, stay off in your corner and do your own thing so we can hang out around each other and let our guard down? And is the fancy stuff, and I'm spitballing here, reflective of being assimilated as an American more, probably tying into sociological conversations you and I aren't smart enough to have about when did, you know, when did the definition of whiteness expand to include Catholics? Hey, speak for yourself, man. I'm very, uh, I'm up to date. With you want to get into you want to get into the discussion of Catholic whiteness without Absolutely putting your foot not. in your mouth ever. Absolutely, but you not. know what I mean. There was a stretch where Catholics were yeah. a category. It's not as it's not nearly as true anymore, if at all. Well, it's just it's just changing cultures, man. And that's what I was saying. Like the sons and daughters of these places go. Like, what else can we do? And we're looking at like the changing kind of culture with health, and it, you're losing. I think all this stuff and what we've lost is like a sense of community. It doesn't mean these places were central places where people met and it doesn't mean that they, these don't exist anymore. There's still tons, thousands of small towns across America where people go to their local joint and see everybody. And whenever I'm visiting some places, I always try to go to those places because you get a sense of feel of like the community that people, there's regulars here. I love that stuff. So I just think it's the, the natural evolution of assimilation for sure. Uh, no doubt. Um, and uh, g- the idea of like, okay, you see it again in other cultures where it's like, okay, you've boxed this in to what you think Italian food is. Okay. And it got to a point where it became a, almost a joke or just a straight up joke on itself. Right. Where it's like, oh, you're having Italian food, you're having pizza, you're having pasta, you know, like meatballs, sauce. So I, th- meatballs it's again like if you're if you're going in like when you go when you hear about indian food when you hear about chinese food you're thinking about a couple of dishes you know you're not thinking about like some really deep cuts um, we're at that stage with with those cultures we're at the, the stage with all these cultures where the sons and daughters or even grandkids are going a lot of them are like they come from a restaurant family or they like they their parents own the local chinese joint and they go I'm fucking sick of being boxed in with this stuff. I'm going to go get some formal training. I'm going to take some of that formal training and now start to quote unquote elevate some of this food. So now maybe you're just using some different ingredients. Maybe you're just using different proport like just proportions of stuff, or maybe it's a quote unquote a little healthier. Or maybe you're just go, Hey, you know what? 
we've been so reliant because this is a quick joint of getting some pre-made stuff. We've been pre-making our dumplings and we have this great place in Chinatown that ships them to us and they're standout and everyone just loves them. I'm going to just try to start making my own again. And maybe, so it's like yeah. actually a culture that gets back to like the great grandparent roots of trying to right. hand make stuff because the industrialization of what happened in America and churning stuff out and the gluttonous kind of nature of Americans. So they, now you have huge port. If you go to Italy, there's a ton of food, but it's mostly like different, um, different, I would say uh, it's, it's the, it's much smaller. There's just a lot more courses. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's not like you're getting chicken parm there. And it's like the size of my f- serves to you in a fucking rowboat. Yeah, exactly. It's like, no, this is just a small part of a, a lineage of dishes. That's going to come out. Um, so I think what happened was like getting back to like the handmade roots of things, because I think a lot of immigrants that came in started there, knew it wasn't sustainable and started to rely on other people in their community to like pre-make some stuff for that. It's just the industrialization of what happened. It's just like the culture of what happened in the 50s, 60s, 70s is like pre-made stuff. So that started itching its way in, inching its way into, all sorts of different cultural foods. So I think this just new generation. And what I wanted to say, the one person that came to mind uh, was Robbie Felice. Robbie Felice, I was like, I know this dude, his dad like owned restaurants, right? And now he has some of the best restaurants in New Jersey. And if you haven't eaten at Viaggio or, or Crescendo, Stereo Crescendo, I highly recommend. I think Viaggio is in Wayne. I think Crescendo is in Westwood. I've eaten both places multiple times. This is like elevated, quote unquote, Italian food. I would say that's the the one in Wayne is famously like real high end, but in a strip. It's mall, in a right? strip mall, right? So yeah, it's it has, been. and he runs that new pasta ramen place, the Italian Japanese yep, fusion have, place have, in Montclair. That you yep, haven't been there, but you, I would, you can't get a seat. So he would be a great person to interview yeah. with because he is the exact person we're talking about to go. Hey, you're Italian, New Jersey family restaurants why did you why are you creating these places that like are expensive man like like some of this food is expensive but it's delicious it's approachable it's meant for groups to go out and really share not like la shared plates out here is my number one you know this is family style and they give you like a half a piece of fish for 50 dollars for 10 people it's like Dum dum dum. I just think proportions in newer places are correct for what we're actually supposed to be eating, how we're supposed to be eating. There's consciousness in in our environment, local, like seasonal. These are things that are, I would say, newer concepts that maybe come from like French laundry. Yeah, yeah. You know that we're always here in America at certain points, but just a couple of. You know, the disciples of some of these places that were famous now back in the 70s, 80s that were doing things radically different. A lot of them are out in California, just fresh produce and stuff like that. Now you have the disciples of them and then disciples of the disciples. Table movement. That whole thing, Alice Waters, all that stuff. You know what else is interesting too, Don? Kind of goes into this new generation. As you talk about it too, where you're like, a lot of these people are, it's immigrant groups and they hit the ground running and they wind up in cities Mm -hmm. and they wind up some of it also I'm sure ties into at what point does an immigrant group 
and I'm sure there's people who have researched this, how many years or how many generations go by when an immigrant group goes from largely being renters to owners of property. Mm -hmm. That probably frees you up, right? To go from street room to a tavern is an accomplishment. A tavern- Oh, it's also it's all socioeconomic. It's, it's like you need quick, quick, cheap food for the population that's around you. The more money they get, now they're going into the city, they're commuting in. Maybe they have a couple more bucks to spend. Okay, now- they now maybe you can start elevating the food a little bit, but like back then, the other thing is there's still red sauce places that are still killing it because I still I, there's a need for them. You you can't have all high end dining places. Yeah, uh, you can't. I I feel for the past generations that are seeing their favorite places kind of shut down, and then start getting very angry at the modern generations you know the, the current generations but it's like no we need each other you we need those places because there's there's nostalgia there there's there's a feeling there that i think is very important where you don't necessarily it's like a place where you can unbutton the top button of your shirt at a place where you need to button the top button of your shirt a little bit more you dress up but i don't think it's any different than like you had your red sauce places back 50s 60s 70s 80s right and like where did you go out for a nice dinner back then it was like probably to like a steak joint or like a seafood place like the concept of that is even out the window so i think a lot of these people were like well why can't we be that why can't why can't we be that i can make a unbelievably good steak and have it be in an italian style right a really beautiful yeah. florentine steak like it's not like italy is one region and one idea now you're seeing in all cultures there's regional mm-hmm. food in india there's regional this is strict, china regional china food. this is really strict like szechuan this is a szechuan joint and that's starting to show up in american cuisine now you're starting to see that not that they weren't always here it was just like you maybe some small they just needed to um appeal to the so it couldn't necessarily just be a szechuan joint because people maybe people's palace was like a lot of Szechuan foods, not spicy. And people's ignorance. And also ignorance, people's ignorance. Totally, totally. People, yeah. But they knew. You see Chinese how Chinese food, General So's chicken. That's what that is Advertising, how they were portrayed in movies, uh, in commercials. You, you get a very, very you know narrow frame of mind of what a culture and food is. And now we're seeing like, oh, there's regional stuff, regional handmade stuff. Now I I would argue like I feel bad maybe for that middle generation but like you're going back to original generations mm-hmm. of the people that really shape this food with with their hands and I think this new generation's like oh that was much healthier things slowed down a little bit more you know why it has to be so much money for simple ingredients I think that's overhead I think there's a little maybe ego to that. I don't know. I would, I would really love, I don't know if we could ever get him here. I would love to talk to Robbie because I start speaking I, it into existence. We have to figure out how it. to we gotta get Robbie. If anybody knows Robbie, <laughs> let us we'll make it happen. We'll make it happen because I, I can't admire. I, those are two of my favorite restaurants in New Jersey. So right. when I, whenever I go back, we go out for dinners and stuff like that with my sister who I don't see a lot and her husband we, 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 we make it a, we go there, we go to like one of his joints and we're never, uh, we're never not satisfied. Um, so 
Uh, I love it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's just the evolution of like how things are and and, and the natural progression of of the food culture and like things were always around. It you just need a couple disciples right. to go like, oh, this is like a different. I can it ties into stability, safety, everything, econ- economic integration, yeah. pop culture representation. Yeah. You diversity might. showing up in schools and kids growing up together and going to each other's household. It ties it. It's, it's a very, the story of Italian food in Jersey is kind of the story of New Jersey. I think also the, all things work 100%. I think always a younger generation is a little bit more adventurous. So yeah. Yeah. we're just at a time where I think a younger generation is more adventurous on what they would like to eat. And maybe I think there's a cultural shift that, people want to try new things more than they want their uh, cheers. You know what I mean? They want, I don't know. I think there's totally, I'm speaking. I want my cheers. That's what Hallie talks about when we open the door of the Belmont Tavern. And I'm with you too. I think think the older you get, the older you get, you want those places. So I understand the older generations want those places of like, Give me my small community. This is all I can handle. The world is just getting too fast, too furious. And I just want a couple people around me. Yeah. And I want the place where I know I can get the same thing because things are changing too much. Younger generations try everything new. They don't want to go to the same restaurant. They want to go to a different restaurant. There's no loyalty anywhere necessarily. They'll talk about it and rave about it on Instagram and TikTok and all this stuff. And show all this food. I don't know. There's a lot of like connections. I think it's a little bit more showmanship and, and uh short attention span and all that stuff, which is like, it's fine. No knock to them. Like that's the generation when I was younger, like I want to try all sorts of new stuff. It's sure. just now that we're older, we're in our forties. It's like, give me home, give me home. Give me something that feels like home. Yep. Just, just bring it back, which is why it's necessary to have those red sauce joints. Uh, still rocking and rolling. Why you go to your same pizza place and why the Belmont uh, Tavern must never die. Never die. It must never die. Never now, Don, here's my final question for you. Yeah. Let's say, God forbid, tornado hits your house. Uh huh. You spin around <laughs> and you wake up and <laughs> all of a sudden you realize, wait, I, I'm kind of in my house, but it looks like my house landed. Did I kill somebody? <laughs> And then all of a sudden you realize that your previous life was in black and white and your new life's in color. Mm-hmm. There's songs, <laughs> there's little people, there's uh, advent, there's animal human hybrids, there's mm-hmm. people with no heart, people with no brains, and you've all got to go on a big adventure. And then the big adventure is to find some guy. And then when you find the guy, it turns out he was kind of a shit talker the whole time. It, it's very overwhelming. Yeah. And eventually you wind up back home. Mm-hmm. I know at that point, you'd probably go to the River Edge Diner to decompress Ooh. what the hell just happened. Ooh. Ding dong, the witch is dead, Don. What do you order if you've just lived through an adventure like that? Oh, my Lord. Oh. Like, I don't know why that's it's so different than all the other times. You know what I mean? Like, why isn't this? A- it's usually just the turkey dinner. It's usually just the turkey dinner, but I don't think it's the turkey dinner this time, and that's why I'm delaying. Wow. That's why I'm delaying. Uh-huh. Oh, I think I know what it is. And it just doesn't make any sense that you would get a lunch after an adventure. You'd probably want a huge dinner. It almost never makes sense to get lunch at a diner. Ever. but it Breakfast it, or dinner. But for me, well, lunch at a diner is dinner. 
You know what I mean? Like, Kinda, yeah. yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Of course, they have like a very small sandwich idea, but I think uh, okay, it's gonna be turkey. I just think like a turkey club on toasted <laughs> rye with though the change though is it, disco fries and gravy on the side. Wow! No talk. I love that you said to really fill me. It's up. usually a turkey dinner, but I'm gonna go wild and get a turkey <laughs> club. <laughs> I know I, it's it doesn't make sense, but like I think I would need some sort of bacon. Mm-hmm. After that, but yeah, I don't necessarily yeah. want an omelet from them. Sure. Disco fries is a great call. I just think the disco fries on the side to really fill up my Oof. gullet. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and then I'd, I'd, and then I'd probably get some, some rice pudding. Don, you're the best. Good combo, man. This was incredible. Thank you for asking all my questions. I loved it. Of course. Hey everybody. How's it going? Uh, for the uninitiated, this is the voice, both golden and illustrious of your ultra-talented super producer, Carson the Colonel Cop, here to request that you drop all plans that you may have already made for Saturday, October 7th, between the hours of 6 and question marks. Ooh. <laughs> for I am putting on a New Jersey is the World listener meetup slash live show at the Ghost Hawk Brewing Company, located at 321 River Road in Clifton, New Jersey, conveniently across the street from Rutt's Hut, featuring the excellent alt-country sounds of New Jersey's own Secret Country and Brewster. The admission is free, but the beer is not. And it shouldn't be, damn it, because the beer is excellent. I'd like to give a huge shout-out to owner, brewmaster, and friend, Steve Bauer, who donated to me the monitor that I've been editing this show on ever since my return to Newark a few years back. So, be sure to follow Ghost Talk Brewing Company, Brewster, and Seeker Country on Instagram, as well as New Jersey is the World on Instagram, which I'm sure you already do, to stay abreast of any and all further details. So, to recap, Saturday, October 7th, 6 p.m., live music, delicious beer, camaraderie, hosts, and friends from New Jersey is the world. Come one, come all. I hope to see you there. Thank you all very much. I hope you're having a lovely day. Love, peace, and pizza grease, baby. Woo! Thank you and have a nice day.